Hey everyone! We officially made it to the first race of the 2022 season. After just 98 days, we are back with the Bahrain Grand Prix. So to put that into perspective, 98 days from today is the end of June, which in all honesty, doesn't feel like that long away. I mentioned this in the last episode, but I don't feel like I've had enough time to really recover, and I'm not even travelling. This is going to be a really long season for all of the teams involved. Don't forget, this is the most number of races we've ever had. 23 races this year. And at the start of today, I read a post uh, by Aurelie Donzelo, who is the head of digital media for Alpine. She wrote a post saying that today was going to be her last day with the team, especially in the face of what she called another intense Formula One season which, in her words, had costed her her physical and mental health. As a Formula One community, I feel like we're getting much better at discussing limits in the face of these giant seasons. I just hope that the people who organise these things are listening. I know that they want Formula One to be more commercially widespread, successful, but it won't be successful if people start leaving because of that. Most teams, especially now with the budget cap, can't afford to double the number of staff to cover half the races. And I really hope after the pandemic, in this new modern era, that we've moved away from a culture of stop complaining, you're just lucky to be here. So the story continues. Bahrain testing, Barcelona testing before that, Mercedes were not there. Everyone thought potentially they were sandbagging, they've done it before, they come in, they're a bit slow in the the testing, and then all of a sudden, first race of the season, they bang it on pole. But I think people realise that actually, no, there are some issues with that Mercedes, and one of them is extremely visible, and that is, of course, the porpoising, the bouncing of the car going around that track. Hamilton, at the end of the race, confirmed that it's happening nearly everywhere. And it is something that I think they will repair, and I think they will come back from it. As I said, they've got plenty of races to improve that car. But the reality was they came into this race not the favourites, and not the second favourites either. Those assumptions firmly belonged to Red Bull, who looked to have the strongest package, followed by Ferrari, who with their unusually shaped side pods and an engine that they've been working on for, well since their last engine was deemed to be illegal a couple of years ago, seemed to have finally brought things together. But the proof was going to be in qualifying and, of course, the race. Well, Charles Leclerc of Ferrari put it on pole. But even after that, it wasn't super clear who was fastest. Max said there was more to get out of that car in Q3, whereas Leclerc said he had to push that car way beyond its limits to get that car on pole. So it was always going to be down to the race. And in the end, the race ended up being a duel between Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen. And at times, it got incredibly exciting. It seems as though the degradation on the tyres was incredibly high. I'm guessing it's because the cars are heavier. And of course, we're not quite sure the balance yet of these tyres versus the tracks versus the cars. And so what that meant was that we didn't know how many pit stops really we were going to have today. Turns out we needed two to three. And every time Red Bull pit Max Verstappen, they went for the undercut, hoping that Charles Leclerc, who would pit after, would come out behind him. Well, that nearly happened. But on both occasions, what was happening was that Max was burning through his tyres. And after the first pit stop, 
Leclerc came out alongside Verstappen and they had this incredible duel back and forth where Max would be overtaking Leclerc on the straight. Leclerc would get a really good exit out of turn one right behind Verstappen. It does look like, by the way, that those cars can follow much closer with these new regulations. But Leclerc still needed the DRS to overtake, which he did straight after. That happened, I think, three laps in a row where Verstappen was getting Leclerc on the straight. He was in the lead, only to be immediately overtaken again by Leclerc. It was incredible racing, and I'm so happy that Ferrari have got the ability to be able to compete, at least for now, side by side with a Red Bull. Just incredible. In the end, Max locked up. It looked as though his tyres, even though they were only a few laps old, were already burnt out. Red Bull then decided to pull a third surprise pit stop, but I think they were running out of options. Max came out and he had 26 seconds to make up to Leclerc. But then he had some kind of hydraulics issue, which meant he couldn't even steer. After the race, he said, every time I tried to steer, like if I steered right, there was a lag, meaning the car wouldn't even turn in reaction to his steering. All we know is that that is separate to the issue that ultimately ended Max Verstappen's race altogether. I think it's fair to say that today was not a good day for the Red Bull team. They lost three of their cars. Firstly, the Alpha Tauri of Pierre Gasly, which caught fire. I think it was an electrical issue. Christian Horner said that that was the MGUK, which is the energy recovery for the motor. This was ultimately just putting more and more pressure on the Red Bulls, who in the end had to retire Max Verstappen because of what seems to be a fuel issue. And a couple of laps later, double disaster because an engine freeze stopped Perez in his tracks. He spun around. He was also out of the race. So what was looking like a comfortable P2 and P4 for Red Bull ended up being a double DNF. So bad day at the office for Red Bull and what turned out to be an absolute dream day for Ferrari. Their first 1-2 since Singapore 2019. Well, we figured that Mercedes wouldn't be up there. The strategy, shall we say, was unusual for Mercedes, putting them on the hard tyre, which is as hard as a Nokia 3210. That's an indestructible phone for Gen Z listeners. And, well, they eventually switched to the mediums. But, all in all, despite them not really being on the pace, they ended up coming partly in thanks to two Red Bull retirements P3 and P4. They came away with a podium. Other noteworthy outcomes from the Bahrain Grand Prix have to be the return of Haas. They have had a tumultuous few weeks from firing Mazepin, essentially losing their main sponsor, and then bringing back ever popular Kevin Magnussen. Um, they finished the day fifth, fifth place for Haas. They spent the entirety of last season in 19th and 20th. Fifth place is incredible. And especially for Kevin Magnussen, who never thought he would drive another Formula One car. And when he left Haas, they were already in a bad place. Had no expectations of the speed of the car, where they were at in terms of development. Ended up bringing the car home in fifth place. I think it's a real payoff for that team uh, who have 
clearly struggled for the last few years. A final thing would be McLaren. What happened? I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, the back teams are the Williams and the McLaren, both of whom use the Mercedes engine. We know that the Mercedes power unit isn't quite there, or at least we we assume that. But that can't be the only thing. It is never just one problem that causes all these things. Whilst it's not good to see a historical Formula One team struggling, I think people have confused testing with racing because clearly they are way off the standings they were at in the Barcelona test. And I also think people are confusing an amass of sponsors with success. McLaren have a huge number of sponsors, I think the most of any team in Formula One. They have, in fact, over 45 different sponsors or partners. Compare that to 25 for Ferrari. To me, that feels like a huge amount of relationship management, stakeholder management that they're going to have to do, especially if they're at the back of the grid. I imagine that team is going to be extremely busy tomorrow calling up all of those people and assuring them that this is not a reflection, or maybe it is, of how their season is going to be. I really hope it's not. I think Daniel Ricciardo especially needs to be back up there and competing. All in all, I thought it was a really good race. We're next going to Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. Um, I still don't feel super happy that we are heading there, especially after Saudi Arabia, I think, executed 81 people last week. It's clear that whatever Formula One say in terms of trying to change the human rights issues going on in Saudi Arabia, they're not listening. Or at the very least, it's, it's not happening right now. And so I don't agree with Formula One showing up in Saudi Arabia. Alas, we will be there and I'm sure there will be another very flashy opening ceremony which tries to distract from everything else that's going on. One thing to say though is that the Jeddah Street Circuit is really fast. We knew that from last year. It's like Monaco sped up and so I do wonder how the Mercedes will do with this. If it's a lot of high-speed corners, they might do all right. Hamilton said in the interviews afterwards that They're doing really well in the high-speed corners. It's just the slow ones and the straights where they're struggling. So with the car that they've got now, I don't think much will change going into next week, but let's see. I think they'll obviously try and bring something maybe to the European races. Red Bull will want to fix any reliability issues that they're having. And I think if it is the the fuel part that I, I heard that it might be, then I think they will be okay. And as for Ferrari, well, there's only one way to go from here, and it's either continue as you are or down. They will be hoping to continue the run that they are on now. But one thing is for sure, and that is, yes, we are getting much closer racing. However, that doesn't equal more overtaking. With the new regulations, there isn't really a slipstream. And so, yes, the cars can follow more closely, but unless they have DRS, potentially a better tyre, more power from the engine going down the streets, that isn't necessarily going to mean more overtaking. But Ross Braun, who is the managing director for Formula One, seemed to be relatively happy with what he saw. It does look like an improvement. I do like the closer racing. I just don't think we should use the formula of closer racing equals more overtaking. So in a lot of cases, it will come down to the car performance and how late you are going to hit those brakes. 
I think that Max Verstappen is going to hit those brakes much later than Carlos Sainz. And so for now, I think this is going to be a, a tight battle between Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen. So just a week now until Jeddah, I will be back with the next episode after that race.